0: You know, when I was growing up, we had a uh, box TV. Remember the old box TVs that you could get? How many channels? Three, right? (laughs) Got three whole channels, and it had little rabbit ears on it. You had to like move the ears to to get the the kids here today, they have no idea what I'm talking about. You had to actually move the little antenna ears to get the the channels to come in and you would hope and pray that you weren't going to get static or snow and sometimes it was so bad you actually had to stand there and hold the antennas to keep the signal in clear, remember that? Now thankfully we eventually got an electric antenna so there was like this little box and you could push the button one way or the other way, and you could hear the antenna outside, go, right? And it was moving all around, and you're getting your, your uh, picture in. And so thank you, Jesus, that eventually a thing called cable and satellite TV came along, and now we could see things in, in clarity, right? It was like amazing, this like, wow, I don't have to like play with an antenna anymore. We, we have this, this thing. We didn't think it could get any better. But then I'll never forget, it was Easter Sunday, and I, I can't remember how many years ago it was, but I, I specifically remember it was Easter Sunday because I had gone to my cousin Kelly's house, we, did this, we do this every uh, Easter down in Maryland, and uh, we're going in her home and her husband Mark, he says, Gilbert, come downstairs, I need to show you something. Now with Mark, this could be anything, all right? <laughs> but I go down and at the time, it was the largest TV I'd ever seen and the picture was crystal clear. I mean, you could see like the pimples on people's faces and stuff. It was so, so clear. It was amazing. And he says, This is called HDTV. And I was like, wow, that is, that is really, really neat. Uh, again, we had never thought that we would see anything better than the standard definition that we had, but now there was high definition TV. Wow. Amazing. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with the differences between SD and HD, I actually found a YouTube video where a guy explains it because apparently there's some people out there that don't think that there's a difference. But there really is. Take a look at this.
1: Now, after the last couple videos, there's apparently still some debate over whether HD is, in fact, better than SD. I don't know who you people are, but we're going to settle it once and for all. The world according to John. Hello and welcome to the world according to John, my name is as you know John Paula and yes I'm wearing the same shirt as I did yesterday because let's face it, I put this on just for the video and today I'm actually wearing it. Okay so here's what I want you to do, real simple, your minds going to be blown, there's no way I can ever be proven wrong after this. Over here there's a thing that says 360, 480, 720, 1080. Whatever it is, click it and make sure it goes all the way to 720 or 1080, depending on your monitor resolution. One hundred percent of you can watch high definition on your computers only about 8% of you can actually watch 1080p high definition which is uh, you know it requires a little bit of a bigger monitor. Either way, all of you can watch HD which is 720 and higher. So click one of those two. Now that you're there, click the button next to it, the full screen button and make your monitor and make this video go full screen. Okay, so now you're looking at me. We're in full screen. We're in high definition. You see the clarity here? The beard hairs on my face? Now watch. I'm going to change out the cameras and I'm going to go back to the standard definition camera. We're going to go from the HMC to the DVX. This camera is six years old, this one's a year old. We're going to go back in time to SD. Watch this and your mind will be blown. We're going from awesome quality to standard definition. If you're still watching this full screen you can kinda see how crappy it looks because what I'm doing is I'm taking 480p standard definition footage. Now 480p represents the number of pixels from the top to the bottom. There are 480 of them this way. But I uploaded this as a 1080p high-definition video so I took 480 pixels and made them into 1080 so I basically took every one of the pixels and and doubled it. I upscaled the footage, this part of the footage anyway for the video, so what you see is you take small video and you stretch it out. Uh, It doesn't look very good. And this is the difference between HD and SD. This is what you're getting when you go from one to the other hopefully this back to back comparison is really obvious to you the differences in the quality and just the differences just in mechanics HD is a larger frame size now look real quick I'm gonna put this SD video at regular size the way it should be with one to one 480 pixels at 480 pixels All right. now that I'm down in the corner this is the actual size of SD content The rest of the video frame over here, that's how big HD usually is. So it's like taking SD and and quadrupling it. Um, I hope this makes sense, guys. And if it doesn't, all the information you would ever need is right in the underbar at the Wikipedia article link. But now let's switch back to high definition. Back in high definition. Isn't the difference obvious? Now please, stop trolling. You see a difference. Don't tell me otherwise. That's all I'm gonna do for today. A lot of cool videos coming up in the future, so I'm kind of busy this week. Sorry this video was short. I will see you tomorrow.
0: That is the world according to John. (laughs) But wasn't it amazing the the difference between standard definition and, and high definition? Now, when we were just in standard definition, we thought that that was pretty clear because again, we didn't have the snow like we have with the antenna. It wasn't until you see HD that you realize that, oh, wow, there's something better that's out there. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is today we're starting this this brand new series called Life in HD. And what we need to understand about our lives is oftentimes we think that life is going good, that life can't get any better than what it currently is. But yet there is something better that's out there. We can live life in HD. And so what we're going to do today as we start this series is we're going to start looking at some principles of how to live the HD life. And to do that, we're going to use the New Testament book of Philippians, Philippians. It's a little short book in the New Testament. And so if you've got a Bible you want to turn with us here today, we're going to start in Philippians chapter one. Now we don't have time to go through the entire chapter reading every single verse. So we're actually going to start with verse 12. But as you're turning there, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. All the verses will be on the screen for you. They're there in your program that you received as you came in. And if you have a smartphone, you can pull that out. Download the YouVersion app on your phone, and that will also give you all the scriptures we're going to look at here this morning. But in any case, as you're uh, continuing to turn to Philippians chapter 1, let me give you a little bit of context of what we're going to look at here. After Jesus' death, His burial, and His resurrection... The church gets started. So the first church is there in Israel, in Jerusalem, and it's really, really taking off. The problem was it was a great threat to the established church of the day. That would be Judaism, the the Jewish people. And so a lot of the the Jews, they were all up in arms about this new thing, these these people that were called followers of the way. You, You know, they weren't called Christians at first, right? Actually, that was a derogatory term. Uh, christians was derogatory they were actually called followers of the way and so there was this whole sense of that this was a sort of a competition and so some of the jews they're trying to to get rid of christians in fact there's this one guy his name is saul and and saul is sort of a leader amongst these he's persecuting the christians he's ordering the execution of christians but then some of you know his story one day paul has a dramatic encounter with the resurrected jesus And he's like, whoa, this guy really did come back to life. He must really be God just as all of his followers are claiming. And so Paul gives his life over to Jesus. He asks for his forgiveness. He asks for uh, him to come in and take control of his life. And Saul becomes who we now know as the the great apostle Paul. And Paul said, you know what, I'm going to devote the rest of my life for the cause of Christ. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that every single man, woman, boy, and girl get the opportunity to know this story, that Jesus rose again from the dead so that our sins may be forgiven, so that we can have not just eternal life forever, but an abundant life right here and right now. And so Paul, he starts traveling all over the then known world, starting new churches. Now, one of the churches that he started was in the city of Philippi. And as he gets this church started, it was actually the very first church on European soil. And for seven years, Paul stayed there, and he was the pastor of that church. After seven years, though, God called him on to something else. And so even though he he loved the people, he goes on and he starts planning other churches, and he starts doing other ministries. And now by the time we get to the book of Philippians here, four years have passed by since he's left that church. Paul gets arrested. What's he get arrested for? Preaching Jesus. The Romans, they hated Paul. They hated the Christians because in the same way that the the Jews had said that Christianity was a threat to their nation, the Roman Empire realized that Christianity was a threat to their empire. And so they're just locking up people. And so they they locked up Paul. They put him into a sort of a house arrest type of thing. And there's Paul. And he was always chained to a guard. This way he couldn't escape. They were just like so convinced that, you know, we can't let this guy get out. So he's always chained to a guard there. And the church back in Philippi, they hear that Paul's been arrested. And they're thinking, this is our beloved pastor this is a guy that we worked and ministered with for seven years. We've got to do something to try to help him out. And so they take up a very large collection, an offering for him, and they decide that they're going to send it off to him to help with either legal bills or, you know, food or whatever Paul needs as he's there under house arrest. And so what they do is they get one of the leaders there in the church, his name is Epaphroditus and they say, hey, here's what we need you to do. Take this money find Paul, give it to him, and then report back to us, you know, how's he doing? And so Epaproditus, he goes off, he finds Paul, he gives him the gift, and Paul is so overwhelmed by just the love and the support of this congregation that he had pastored for so many years that he decides not to just give to Epaproditus a verbal report to take back. He decides, you know what, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to handwrite them a personal letter of thanks and of gratitude. That letter is what today we call the book of Philippians there in your Bible. And this uh, particular book of of Philippians, the the theme of it is is joy. That that Paul's talking about joy throughout, in fact, 16 times. It's only four chapters long, this this whole book. 16 different times Paul talks about joy and, and being thankful and rejoicing. Now, this was amazing that that this was the letter that he writes them. Because again, where did I say Paul's sitting when he writes this? In jail. But yet he says, man, joy, 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 joy. And what's amazing about that is that not only is he doing that in the midst of bad circumstances, and and here's what Paul realized, happiness has to do with your circumstances, but joy comes from within, that we can have joy regardless of what's happening externally to us. Even if we're trials, or even if there's suffering, even if there's tribulation in our life, we can still have joy. And and again, for Paul, this, this is so amazing that he writes this in the midst of jail, but Maybe some context for you here. This wasn't the worst thing that ever happened to Paul. Paul, actually, this wasn't even the first time he was in jail for his faith. But in the the book of 2 Corinthians, as he writes a letter to the the church that he helped to start in, in Corinth, he actually talks about some of the various trials he had gone through. He says that, you know what, three different times I got whipped almost to the point of death. Actually, no, it was seven times he was... Three times he got beaten by rods. Three different times he got shipwrecked. One of those times he says, I spent a whole night in the open sea. He was bitten by a poisonous snake at one point. He has all kinds of things. He's, He's being persecuted. People are trying to keep him down. In fact, one time one of his ministry partners turns his back on him. Paul knew what it was like to be cold and naked and hungry and alone and afraid. I mean, Paul had gone through all kinds of stuff, but yet he just keeps saying joy, 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 even in the midst of all this suffering that he had gone through. Paul, one point, he, he got stoned. And I'm not talking like Colorado stone. I'm talking like rocks stone, right? I mean, this guy had gone through a lot of stuff. Yet despite it all, he writes this book, this letter called Philippians, which is all about joy. And it's a model for us of how to have joy in our own lives. And so he starts out the letter with just a little intro, some greetings, and just a you know, thank you for being a partner with me in the gospel. And then here we go to verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to do what? It's actually served to advance the gospel. Now, what he means here by these things that have happened to me, we don't know. Is he talking about, you know, things that have happened in the past? Is he just simply talking about his arrest and that he's there in the jail? Or is it that they're beating him there in the jail? Is it that, you know, they're making him lie on a cold stone floor every single night you know we're not sure what exactly he means by this all that's happened but what he does make clear is this that whatever the romans were intending to do to him the harm that they were trying to bring his way it was actually having the opposite effect they were trying to squash the gospel but it was actually advancing on he continues on then in verses 13 and 14 says for everyone around here including all the soldiers over at the barracks knows that I am in chains simply because I am a Christian and because of my imprisonment many of the Christians here seem to have lost their fear of chains somehow my patience has encouraged them and they have become more and more bold in telling others about Christ See, Paul is witnessing here firsthand something that we read about in Scripture over and over and over again that whatever Satan means for evil, God can take it and turn it around and use it for good. And so here's our big thought for today. If you and I want to live an HD life, that is, we want to have crystal clarity we have got to see the pain and the trials and the struggles and the temptations and the suffering that we have in our life, not as a negative thing, but as an opportunity to thank God that, you know what, out of this negative that Satan's trying to throw my way, something good is going to come out of it. That the gospel is actually going to advance because of this. That people's faith, is going to be encouraged because of this. That, you know what, instead of going, oh, woe is me, I'm going to say, wow, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to rejoice even in the midst of my suffering. Now, obviously that sounds really, really hard to do, but we're going to talk about that here this morning. Because here's the, here's the thing, you got to recognize this. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean that now it's all puppy dogs and roses and unicorns and rainbows and flowers and, you know, chocolate chip cookies. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have times of suffering. And so the the real question for us as followers of Jesus is, when suffering comes, are we going to suffer well? You've heard me say this before. Are you going to become bitter about your situation, or are you going to use it to allow you to become better? And that choice is yours. All of us have the choice. Is it going to be woe is me, or are we going to still have joy even in the midst of bad circumstances? Now, partially the reason I wanted to, to talk about this today is this week we celebrate what? Thursday is what? Thanksgiving, in case I forget, happy Thanksgiving. Happy <laughs> Thanksgiving. But we'll gather together with family and friends, and oftentimes what we're doing is we're saying, here's all the things that I'm thankful for. Here's all the ways that God has blessed me. And we need to, you know, pray and and thank God for all those things. But what I want you to understand here this morning is we need to be thankful to God even in the midst of the bad times, the trials and the tribulations and the suffering that may come our way. Now again, to our earthly minds, that does not make a bit of sense. But if we want to live an HD life, we, have got to be learned, we, we need to learn to be thankful in all things, just as Paul was here in the midst of writing this tiny little letter called Philippians. So I want to look at his story here, two lessons that we can learn to get more clarity for ourselves. So if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. Number one, I must use my chains of suffering as an opportunity to speak to others about Jesus. Now, for Paul, he was literally chained to a soldier at all times, so he couldn't escape. And I want you to think about that. If you were constantly chained to somebody else, a guard over your life, what would your attitude be? Would you grumble and complain about it? Or would you be like Paul and flip it on its head and go, you know what, this is actually a really good thing. Because if I'm chained to this guy, this obviously means that God wants me to tell this guy about Jesus. See, Paul took the attitude of, I'm not a captive, I've got a captive audience. Yes, I'm not going anywhere, but neither is this guy. (laughs) So, he has no choice but to hear about Jesus. (laughs) See see the difference in attitude? One is that, woe is me, I'm stuck here, I'm in prison, I'm chained. The other is, you know what, I'm going to take these chains and I'm going to use it for change. Huge difference between chains and change. You've got the opportunity to take whatever your chains are, the things that are weighing you down, and flip it on its head. Instead of becoming bitter about your situation, say, wow, thank you. Jesus. I'm going to take joy in this this brief season because I'm going to use this to advance your gospel. For some of you that are here today, right now, you you feel chained to your work, to your job. You don't like your job. You're just punching the, the clock. You feel chained to it. Maybe you're a stay at home mom. And you've got all kids, you know, and they're running all around and stuff. And you just feel like you're chained to the house that you never, ever get to go out. Maybe you have a loved one that's sick right now. And it feels like you're just chained to the hospital. It feels like you're, you're chained to the doctor's offices. That's all you're, you're ever at. Maybe you're a student here today and you feel chained to your school. What I want you to realize is this. Thank God for that. Thank God that you're chained there right now. Say, Jesus, reveal to me. Why is it that you have me in this place right now? What am I here for? What is my purpose for being here? See, we can take the trials and tribulations and the suffering that comes our way and take it from being purposeless to purposeful. So thank God for your situation. Thank God that He can use you in the place that you're at right now. You've heard me say before every place needs a pastor. See, we're all called to be ministers of the gospel. Some of us get to be pastors actually at a building called a, a church. But remember, we are the church church isn't a building. You and I, we are the church. And all of us are called to be ministers. All of us are called to be a pastor of a place. So be the pastor of your neighborhood. Be the pastor of your apartment complex. Be the pastor of your workplace. Be the pastor of your school. Be the pastor no matter where you're at. And God sometimes says, you know what? This particular place, it doesn't have a pastor right now. And so I'm going to put you there. And in your mind, it seems like, oh, this is bad. This is, this is no good. This is suffering for you. And he says, no, 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 no. Recognize I've placed you there for a purpose. And So don't get all, woe is me. Thank you, Jesus. Take joy in the midst of that. And this is what Paul was talking about earlier. He says, all the Roman guards, they know why I'm here. That I'm in chains because of Christ. So take the opportunity with your chains to tell other people about Jesus. Number two then, I must use my chains of suffering to help other followers grow in their faith. So Paul says, look, not only am I winning the guards to Jesus but I'm being an example to other followers. And because of that, the other Christians around here, they're becoming more and more bold in sharing their faith as well. In other words, when the other followers saw Paul in the midst of his trials and his struggles, having joy even in the midst of it, it encouraged them that, oh, you know what? My situation isn't nearly as bad as what Paul's situation is. So if he can take joy in that, I can take joy in my situation of life right now. And so it was an encouragement to those followers. And Paul says, man, they have become more and more bold in sharing their faith with others. He was an inspiration to them. Now I want to give you an example of someone that's been an inspiration to me here recently. Uh, Look look at the screens here real quick. This is my friend Matt, his wife Beth, and their six kids. Matt is a uh, pastor of a church out in the Lancaster area. He and I have Gotten to know each other over the past probably five or so years. And uh, great, great guy. I I love Matt. He and I, we've uh, gone to conferences together, shared rooms together. But just an incredible man of God. And his wife, Beth, she's a great lady as well. The little girl that's sitting on Beth's lap there, that's their youngest daughter. Her name is Adelina. And, uh, I mean, look at those kids. They're so cute. But I want to show you a more recent picture of Adelina. Look at this. Uh, About a month ago or so, she contracted E. coli and HUS. And the the thing is, those two things have sort of different ways that you treat them, and so every time they would try to treat the E. coli, it would make the HUS worse, and when they would treat the HUS, it would make the E. coli worse. And every single day I, I get a text from Matt with sort of an update on here's the, the situation with Adelina. And, you know, there's been many times throughout this this last month that it didn't look like she was going to make it. I mean, over 20 machines just, you know, keeping her alive. Um, her, all of her major organs, you know, her kidneys and her liver, her heart, her brain, they've all been impacted at various points over this past month. The doctor said this is one of the top five toughest cases that he's ever had to deal with. And so I get these texts every day from Matt with these updates. And, you know, it's, it's sad in the, in the midst of all of it. And, you know, Matt is worried at, at points. And, and, you know, he's, he's been stressed by the whole situation. He's wore out because, you know, they've basically been living there at Hershey Med. But yet at the same time, I have been so, so inspired by his faith. He has encouraged me in my faith over this this past month. And uh just on Monday, I, I got a text from him. And uh th- this text, you know, sort of goes out to a bunch of people just with this update. And basically it was uh, hey, we, we had a, a good weekend. He said the the one scan that was done shows that there may be some kidney function coming back because she's been on dialysis, you know, this this whole month, and they said, uh, you know, we're going to take her off the dialysis for a day just to see if she pees. And so he says, I know this sounds weird, but please pray for pee. (laughs) And so uh, he's talking about this whole thing of, you know, praying for kidney functioning and all that. But then he says this, and, and this is, Typical of, of every, every text every day. He says, but even if not, he is still God, and we will trust him for our journey ahead. So I will selfishly ask for more prayers from you who have blessed us with countless prayers, tears, and moments awake while the rest of the world sleeps. But even more than what is going on inside a little Adelina, I pray that you would focus your prayers on what Jesus is doing in all of our hearts and in the lives of those who do not yet know the Lord, and the lives of these amazing nurses and doctors, we want to be obedient for the purposes which he has used our little last baby struggle with these temporary health issues for his eternal glory. Thank you one and all. May the Lord richly bless you and your loved ones today. In that text, you can hear Matt illustrating these two points that I talked about point number one was take your trials take your struggles take the things that are going on in your life that you could be going you know what woe is me and don't see it as purpose less but see it as purpose and so what did he say he said even more than her struggle pray that those that don't yet know Jesus would come to know Jesus through what she's going through And again, the second point that I'm talking about, that we as followers might be encouraged that, wow, what they're going through, my my struggles that I'm going through are so small as compared to that. In fact, every Thursday after the the band rehearses, we all sort of either gather here on the stage or on the front row here, and we, we pray together. And so we've been praying for Adelina over this past month. And almost every week, somebody will say, you know what? I almost feel embarrassed to bring up my, my prayer request because it seems so small. It seems so tiny as compared to what she's gone through right now. And it's helped us as the, as the team just to sort of keep a, a perspective of, man, when, when things get thrown our way, doesn't it seem like the world is just collapsing on us? I mean, it can be little things like, oh, I got this ingrown toenail. This is the worst thing that could ever happen in life. Well, no, your ingrown toenail is not the worst thing that could ever happen in life. But yet, that's what we do, don't we? Anytime we have even just a little bit of resistance in our lives, our immediate gut reaction is to go, woe is me. This is terrible. This is horrible. And we just get in such a negative attitude. And again, this book of Philippians, this little letter that Paul writes, is all about have joy, have joy, have joy, have joy, even in the midst of the circumstances that you may be going through. And so thank you to Matt and Beth for being an encouragement to us. Now, if you maybe picked it up or didn't pick it up as I read that text, Matt has a way with words, okay? Um, and you're maybe going, okay, I, I, I need to encourage others even in the midst of, of my suffering and stuff, but I can't speak like Matt. I, I, can't, I can't write like Matt. And you know what? Maybe you can't. But I heard this recently. Somebody said, even if you can't articulate Demonstrate. Let me say that again. Even if you can't articulate, demonstrate. So you may not be able to say what's going on, but you can demonstrate to others in the midst of your suffering that, wow, that person, they have joy. That person has peace in their lives. I wonder what's different about them. So you can still demonstrate this for other people. You can be an encouragement to others. That they're going, man, if I was in that situation, I'd be falling apart. What's so different about them? And eventually they're going to ask you. And you can say it's because of my relationship with Jesus. He has given me a peace. He's given me joy. Because happiness has to do with my circumstances. But joy comes from Jesus. And see, as followers of Jesus, every single one of us are called to have joy no matter what. We've got to realize that we need to praise him, not just when times are good, but when times are bad as well. And so, as Paul continues on here in this letter, he says in verse 29, actually, let, let me back up, because I, I, I want to go to another verse, because this also gives you a little bit of uh, perspective. Paul says there in uh, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live as Christ and to die is gain. What what is Paul saying there? Basically he's saying this, that it doesn't matter what the Romans throw at me. If I live, I get to live with purpose. I get to have my captive audience here. I get to continue to, to advance the gospel. I get to continue to encourage other followers to be more bold in their faith. For me to live is Christ, but to die, is gain. So even if the Romans kill me, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to go be with Jesus. In other words, for Paul, he sees this as a win-win scenario. Again, you need to get to the same place in your life that, you know what, I've got this suffering going on and I'm praying that it goes away, but it's a win-win. If it doesn't go away then i get to use it as an opportunity to share my faith with others and encourage other believers if it goes away then thank you jesus now i'm off to the next day for me to live is christ and to die is gain and that needs to be our our attitude that the suffering of this world is not the end See, I feel so bad for for people that don't have hope. I got in a Facebook conversation uh, the other week after the the church shooting, and I've shared with you before. There's this one guy, he's an atheist. He lives out in Vegas, and he writes these you know posts about various things. And you know, his his whole thing was, "Well, where was your God when all this happened? All the good prayer did." But see, as I'm sort of talking to him and, and others, I, I, I realize that when you think that this world is it, that when you die, it's all done, then yes, tragically losing your life like that, that is a really bad thing. But as followers, we recognize that this world is not our home, that heaven is our home. And that one day, in heaven, there's going to be no more sin, no more sickness, no more disease, no more death. And so, yes, while it was tragic what happened, those followers are now with Jesus. To live as Christ, but to die, that's gain. That's the hope that we have. That's the joy that we can have, even in the midst of our suffering, that even if this suffering gets so bad to the point of death, not so bad that's not so bad, and so Paul then says this, and it reiterates what I just said verse twenty nine there's far more to this life than trusting in christ there's also suffering for him, and the suffering is as much of a gift as the trusting you're going, why in the world would Paul say something like that That suffering? is a gift. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you want to become more mature in your faith? Did you realize, you know what? I haven't made it yet. I, I haven't arrived. And by the way, none of us will ever arrive. Yeah, we all want to become more mature in our faith. Well, guess what? You're going to need a little, little resistance to, to strengthen your spiritual muscles. And that's why Jesus' brother, a man named James, he says this, James chapter 1, verses 2-4. to 4. Consider it what? Consider it Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. None of us want to lack anything when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And so he says, look, in order for you to become more mature, in order for you to grow, to become complete, recognize but you got to say, man, thank you, Jesus, that you're allowing this into my life right now. Now, let me be very, very clear. We're not rejoicing because we're suffering. We're rejoicing because we know that in the midst of our suffering, Jesus is still in control. That God's perfect will will be done. And that out of the suffering, so to speak, good things are going to come from it. That people are going to come in a relationship with Jesus. That people are going to grow in a relationship with Jesus. We can rejoice because we know that God never wastes a tear. He he never wastes uh, any little bit of suffering. He doesn't waste anything. We know that the pain had a purpose, that there was no waste to the difficulty. And so this week, as you gather together with your family and friends to celebrate Thanksgiving, I want you to keep this in your mind. Don't just be thankful for the good things. Be thankful in all things. In fact, Paul, in writing to another church that he started, says this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 18. And this is how I'll leave you this morning. He says, rejoice. How often rejoice? Always. Pray continually. Give thanks in some circumstances. What? Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for those of you who follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you that you were the ultimate example of this, that even in the midst of suffering, good can come from it. And, And we know that, God, you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to suffer and die on the cross but yet what Satan meant for evil, you turned around and used it for good. You used it so that now we can have the forgiveness of our sins. We can know that we can have eternal life with you forever when we die, that we can have joy even in the midst of the trying circumstances that we face. And so Lord, help us to, to change our attitude in how we treat suffering and think about pain in our lives. Help us to give thanks to be joyful in all circumstances. Thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul, that even in the midst of sitting in a Roman prison, he's still talking about joy over and over and over and over again. And he was an encouragement to the followers. And People were coming into a relationship with you because of his faith, because of his joy, because of the hope that he had within him and so lord i I pray that your spirit has been speaking to us and sort of showing us the areas where we get overly negative and overly critical and we worry too much about the pain and the suffering that comes our way and that you've given us a new sense of purpose that there's a purpose in this pain that i can take my misery and turn it into a ministry that I can take this this trial and turn it into a testimony. Father, thank you. Thank you that you use these these things that, that happen to us to help us to grow. And so I pray that you you wouldn't push us too hard, but allow just enough that we can trust more and more in you, that we'll love you more and more, that we'll have more and more faith in you. And Father, right now, we would be remiss if we didn't pray for little Adelina. That Father, you are the great physician. Surely, if you can raise your son Jesus from the dead, you can do something as simple as heal this virus that she's going through. So Father, I pray that right now in the name of Jesus you would touch her her body from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet and just take out everything that is in her that is not of you. Lord, we're praying for a miracle here this morning. But Lord, at the same time our ways are not your ways and your ways are not our ways. And again, sometimes you do allow these light and momentary troubles of life to come our way so that more people can be reached for you so that more people can be encouraged in their faith. And so Lord, if right now you need her to continue to stay there in that hospital for a little longer, I just pray that you would continue to use Matt and Beth to just advance the gospel there at Hershey Med and encourage people through these text messages that they send out so that as we look back a a million years from now as we're all in heaven we can say, oh yeah, I had almost forgotten about what had happened there. Yeah, that that was unfortunate, but that was just a little blip on the radar. And look at all the good that came out of it. Look how God took what Satan meant for evil and turned it around and used it for good and for his glory and for his plan and for his purposes. So Father, help us not to be selfish in our thinking, but to, to say, Jesus, we know you're in control, and we trust you no matter what. And we're going to rejoice. And as Paul would say, I'll say it again, rejoice. Thank you, Jesus, for that. It's in your name we pray. Amen.